0: Football, 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 football. It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sport show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? F F F S O S S dot com at F F F S O S S. True. Twitch.tv slash Nick 3 What's good? How's everybody doing? Tuesday edition of the pod. College football and NFL just around the corner as we're in the uh, start of late August, we'll call it, right? We're getting the 20s here. So on this pod, we're going to talk about the Premier League refereeing horror show that has happened the first two match days of this season. So we'll go into that in the kickoff, into a weekend soccer recap. Soccer Trends Rumors, NFL Headlines, FedEx Cup Playoffs. What a great and uh, exciting Sunday it was in Chicago at the BMW Championship. So we'll do that at the end of the program. Just a little schedule update. Thursday, we will do college football over-unders. Next Tuesday will be our college football season preview. And then Thursday, we'll also do some Week Zero stuff as well. So I'm not forgetting about Week Zero with Notre Dame and and uh, playing, and also USC playing. There's some two, two really good teams playing on Week 0, finally, right? Uh, unfortunately, they're not playing each other, obviously, but we know those two teams play either in October in uh, South Bend or the last game of the season in uh, L.A. But both those teams will be in action in Week 0, so we'll talk all about that on Thursday's show as well when we play college football over-under. So next Tuesday will be our college football season preview and then the following thursday the 31st of august will be our college football week one preview and also our nfl over under show following tuesday the fifth will be our nfl preview and season preview and then nfl week one preview is thursday the 7th so that is the schedule coming up and it is coming up folks that's for sure so um on this pod we're gonna do Premier league refereeing horror show and the kickoff weekend soccer recap soccer transfer rumors NFL headlines, the playoffs, and more. Kickoff, Premier League refereeing horror show. I mean, we had some bad decisions in match day one, ultimately highlighted by the Wolves' penalty shout against United at Old Trafford, where Onana bundles two Wolves players in uh, the United area, not even looked at, not even thought about as a penalty, and... There were some other incidents, but this weekend once again showed that the refs are going to be involved. And the level of their involvement, they're not good enough. So my point is, like, if you're going to be super involved as an official, as a referee, as an umpire, as a whatever you want to call them, right, linesman, whatever, whatever you are. If you're an official at a high level, if you're really, really good, you know, I'll let you get away with missing a call here once in a while. Hey, it is what it is. We're not perfect. We're all human, right? All these kind of things. But if you guys are just so, so bad all the time, week in and week out, it's not just a, a few. It's a collective. The inconsistencies, sometimes things are foul. Sometimes they're penalties. Sometimes they're handballs. Sometimes they're not. It's just really, really inconsistent. And it's just not a good enough job for probably the best league in the world when you think about it for the Prem, right? Because, yes, La Liga probably has the two bigger teams in Barcelona and Real Madrid. Okay. Barcelona and Real Madrid. Okay. But the EPL as a whole is everywhere. Okay? So... The fact that the EPL probably has some of the worst refs in all of the sport because when you get English teams in Europe, they kind of like love it because they actually get non English refs that are good refs, okay? Um, and at least consistent with what should be called. So, why I bring up that match day one incident, so specifically the Onana clattering no call for United against Wolves, is because on Sunday. And Everton, you know, they're in a tough spot, playing Villa, who's coming off getting drubbed at Newcastle. Everton have to go to Villa Park, and they're looking for blood, right? And they're already down 1-0. Pickford comes out, takes out the attacking player, and it's whistled for a penalty. I understand Everton fans upset. I certainly understand Wolves fans doubling down, being like, are we serious? Is this real? And I guess going forward, this is good because it's going to be a penalty. Because they had the chance to make the same call as they did on Monday, two Mondays ago. And they said, no, it's a pen. So maybe this is a penalty going forward, which will be good, right? But I'm just highlighting it. Because the same exact incident happened and it was officiated differently. Goalie comes out, clatters somebody, no pen one week, pen the next. Now, if this situation keeps happening and it's a penalty going forward, fantastic. I love that. That's where I want to be. But if we keep going back and forth from that one's not a penalty, this one is, and it's goalies coming out and clattering guys without getting the ball, Well, then we get back to my big issue at hand, which is the inconsistencies between the referees on the pitch and the referees as the VAR and the decisions made by the PGMOL in general, right? So Pickford concedes the penalty on the same incident, play, situation, scenario, whatever you want to say, where Onada was not. So we had that this weekend. We also had five red cards this weekend, and four of them were... um, dishing out of two yellows apiece. The only straight red was Alexis McAllister on his home debut for Liverpool. Straight red challenge against Bournemouth in the middle of the park there. Not even checked at the screen. A lot of people are saying that it shouldn't have been a red. It's a yellow all day. Um, Unfortunately, the referee did not get instructed to go to the monitor to even look at it. And I think, you know, red cards... You should automatically have to go to the screen. It is so serious to send off a player. It should be automatically reviewed. Kind of like how college football and the NFL have turned situations like um, turnover on downs or turnovers or scoring plays are automatically reviewed. I think that's great. That's fantastic. And I think it should move over to the football world as well, the soccer world. Because we have some incidents here that, and especially this week, where I really think the system, the process, is failing everyone. And what I mean by that, is like I've explained it before. In the NFL, you know, and the NHL, and a lot of other sports around the world, and especially in America, one guy makes the call. For all of it. So it's consistent. Like yeah. There's you know. Other umpires. Watching the games. Or other referees. And officials. And you know. But there's. A. Place. A. Continually. um, Same group of people. That are making the decisions. Okay. In. In. The Premier league in this system, you don't have that. You have refs that maybe on Friday night are in the middle of the pitch and then Sunday are a VAR or Monday or a VAR. So you're taking guys who are s- rotating jobs and they're saying, OK, well, I'm going to be out there on Monday and I really hope. Whoever my VAR is doesn't embarrass me, so I'm not going to embarrass this guy by telling him I got a call wrong for all these people. I'm just going to say play on, all these kind of things. I truly think that's what is limiting the system. The idea that other referees on the same kind of uh, corporate structure, if you will, corporate ladder, they're all equal, these referees, because they go and ref in the middle of the park, they go be the fourth official, they do VAR, all the list of that group is doing all three of those roles right so they're all equal they're not trying to show each other up you can't tell me that's not happening because there's been you know whether it's Paul Tierney on VAR or John Moss finally went away so at Atkinson at least off the pitch now they're in charge of some of these guys which is crazy Kevin Friend as well um But I really, really think that this system is very flawed. So we'll go through some more incidents. Tim Ream got two yellows. The second one was very harsh. Uh, Nunez from Wolves, he gets sent off two yellows. The second one was like shoving and yelling at the ref. So just sent involved there. Aguard um, from West Ham got sent off two yellows. And Tamiasu on Monday night, two yellows sent off. The first one was time-wasting, which wasn't his fault. Havertz was holding the ball and then gave it to Tamiyasu. And then Tamiyasu got a yellow. And then the second yellow, honestly, it's a dive from IU. It's great gamesmanship because it's not its not a foul. It's not a foul. And since it was only a yellow, you can't review it. So again, we don't have the ability to look at second yellows for sending off. So we don't have the ability to look at some fouls in the middle of the park. Right, so... um, it, it just it just sits wrong with you because the system is flawed you have refs monitoring other refs instead of the head ref making the calls and people could argue well what's going to how do you know the head ref's going to get the calls right okay that's a fair point my response to that is at least they'll be consistent at least going forward what a handball one week is Is a handball the next week, a handball the next, a handball? Right now, we have referees who view handballs differently, who view situations differently, who view fouls, penalties, contacts differently. And since you don't have the same viewpoint, week to week, some of these clubs are either getting punished or not being rewarded decisions when they should be given decisions. Like they're protecting their buddies. There's a lack of accountability. Like the other night, Wolves get sent a letter from the FA, hey we we, we we bottled that decision. That should have been a pen or a bad. That doesn't give Wolves a penalty late in the match at Old Trafford to try to level that. They don't have any points from that match when they could have had one. But they got a letter that says, hey, you know what? We, we probably screwed that up on you. Sorry. If there was only a way in real time to have the head of PGMOL PGMOl Howard Webb, be like, that's a pen. That's not a pen. That's a handball. That's not a, oh, that could happen. It's an easy fix. You eliminate the VAR system that you have now. And you make Howard Reb watch all the games. And he decides the calls. And you could be like, well, there's too many games going on at once. At most, what do we have? Three, four at most? I understand people would be like, well, you can't watch all the games. You're right. You can't. So you can have some other officials be working with him and be like, sir, we have a situation here. Please look. How hard is that? Oh, wait, it's not that hard because basically the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, they all kind of do it with centralized replay. And how come the biggest football league in the world, the Prem, can't figure that out? that the referees are not trying to embarrass their buddies because one night they're going to be on the headset, the next day they're going to be in the middle of the pitch with all the eyeballs on them. So you have the refs taking care of each other. You have a lack of accountability. You have a flawed system. You have new stipulations to these teams and these players and these squads and these clubs that is basically like, treat the refs with respect or you're going to get a yellow card. How about you get some freaking calls right and everybody will respect you more? Or even, here, I'll do you one better. Ready? When you get a call wrong in the moment, turn it around and make it right. I mean, what? Do I really have to say that? No one's thinking it? You're two weeks into this season. We've already seen some insane decisions, okay? Decisions that, hey, say Wolves gets relegated by a point. And yeah, there were 37 matches after that, for sure, 100%. But you don't think people would go back to match day one and look at that and be like, well... You know, like, Pickford and Everton, and like, I don't, you know, I don't love to give Everton compliments anytime, but I felt for them in that moment, because last week it wasn't a pen, and now all of a sudden, because they changed their mind, and they sent Wolves a letter that it is a pen, even though last week it wasn't, and you'd be like, AJ, you're arguing it was a pen, it is, it is a stone cold pen, if you're the goalkeeper, and you take somebody out, it happened against Arsenal, or for Arsenal, against Crystal Palace, that's how they got their goal. If you get taken down by the keeper, it's a pen. Pretty much stone cold. But Everton would be like, hey, it didn't happen last week. How come it happens against us? And I understand that. But th- what they can argue is if every situation going forward, the pet- the keeper gets penalized and it's a it's a pen, they can't say a word. And I won't say one either. But we've already seen handballs, the Nico Jackson match they won against Liverpool for Chelsea. I mean, his hands are up, and it hits him on the hand, and then he call it a handball. So, if that gets called a handball later in the season, there's going to be some upset people, and rightfully so. So, say, agent, okay, you outline this problem, you're upset with the refs. How come you get to say this about the refs when you criticize other people for commenting on the refs in all the league? Okay, that's fair but at least the replay in those other sports does a much better job than VAR in the Prem. I think that's a fair point. Okay? I don't like this system. I don't like that refs are refereeing other refs when they're on the same level of the organization. Howard Webb should be making every decision that comes to the VAR. That way it would be consistent. You'd be like, well, it might not be right, but it would be consistent because it's one person. And I've had this argument with so many English fans on Twitter.com. They get so mad at me. The Yankee, you idiot, you know anything, wanker. They just call me everything under the book. I'm just like, nice conversation. Centralized replay, one person in charge of calls. Ten matches at once only happens one day. Championship Sunday. At the most, we're looking at three to four, possibly five at the same time. Very rarely. I looked it up. You don't usually get five or six matches at the same time. Very rarely. Okay? So we're looking at three to four at once. Otherwise, how many standalone games have there been so far? Got to be, we're approaching close to double digits the first two match days, right? Monday, Friday, Saturday there were two this week. Sunday there were two games. So that's six. Not even counting the other month. Yeah, so we're close to double digit standalone games already. Two match days. You can't tell me that he can't sit around and watch the games, like he's uh, it's his job. So the system's flawed. You gotta fix it with the referees not refereeing themselves. They're looking out for their buddies. They don't want to screw their friends, their mates. And they definitely don't want it done to them. So until you put the head honcho in charge of making decisions, you're going to keep getting inconsistencies. You're going to keep getting calls that are incorrect. And you're going to keep getting referees not going to the monitor. Why do we even have the monitors? I don't understand. If the VAR is talking to the referee, he should be on his way to the monitor. you be like, well, we got to save time. How many times have they just had their finger to the ear for like three minutes, and then they go to the monitor, right? Saving time. How about you, goal, decision, incident, whatever, that guy gets in your ear, you start walking towards the monitor because you know you should go see something. How about we said that precedent? No, right now it's if you yell at a ref or or put your hand up like a card, you get a card. What are we talking about? The refs are demanding respect. Get calls right. Have some accountability. You'll get some respect. Any official, like, and you're gonna be like, Asia. here you go again. Any ref, official, ump, anybody I've ever dealt with, if I can connect with them on a human level, I can at least say, okay, they're trying their best. I might argue with them for a little bit, but if they say they kicked the call or they say they saw it one way, I can see it. I can say, okay, let me shake their hand and we'll move on. These guys are horrendous. And it's it's not just every week, but it's almost every game. Every match has something where the referee, you're, making, you're shaking your head. Like, what was that decision? How is that a foul? Pen? What? You know, the, Crystal Palace should have had the chance to equalize today. Eze dances around Declan Rice, then Partey steps over. He goes down. It's a pen. Stone cold. Doesn't even tell him to go to the screen. He doesn't even tell him to go to the screen. Andres Townsend's on the call on the the broadcast, going pen. That's a pen. They'll review this. It's a pen that's a player who's recently played so i don't know for me that's it's really disappointing it's really disappointing because they have so many resources they could have so many great referees i think oliver's outstanding um i think some of the other guys are all right the aussie guys okay that they brought in I think he was the VAR for the Crystal Palace Arsenal match, which I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Send him him to the screen. What are you doing? But it was David Coote who's horrendous. He's another horror show. So there's just a lot of bad refs, and they're protecting each other, and Howard Webb's got to make the calls. And that's all I got to say about that, I guess. All right, let's do weekend soccer recap. Star in the EPL could be a six-pointer when we look back at it. Uh, later down the line of this season. Forrest Sheffield at the city ground. Forrest went at 2-1. Awanee, very good header for an Aurier ball in. they with a so equalizer for Sheffield United. So you're thinking, okay, game on. And Chris Wood off the bench, 89th minute winner, another Aurier assist, if I'm not uh, mistaken. So Forrest, three big points at the city ground. Had it rocking, that's for sure. Fulham, Brentford, London, Derby. Uh, Brentford went a 3-0. Wissa, the opener, off a full mistake. Ream then gets sent off two yellows, the second one being a penalty, and can, uh finishes the pen off, and then he gets a second for his brace. Liverpool and Bournemouth. Liverpool win at 3-1 in Anfield. They conceded an offside goal, and then Simeo puts Bournemouth in front off a mistake from Van Dijk and Trent Alexander-Arnold. But uh, Luis D has an athletic finish. Um... To level the match 1-1, then a penalty uh, drawn by Sobasly, which uh, Liverpool don't really have a ton of guys that I I would say go down like that. A little animated from Sobasly, maybe he'll learn to tone down the animation. But here in the pen, it's a pen. I don't want to hear people complain that it's not a pen because if that happened for their team, they'd be screaming that it's a pen. So that's all I got to say about that. Um, Salah's pen gets saved by Neto, but he follows the rebound home to get on the mark for the season. Then the McAllister red card that I had mentioned in the kickoff brought Liverpool down to 10 men with a 2-1 lead. And then uh, Sobasly shot, rebound to Jota. He puts it in, passing that toe, makes it 3-1. And then Liverpool kind of just didn't concede a second to make it interesting and did have moments to possibly get a fourth and absolutely kill it off. But down to 10 men were not, like, um, um, not crazy explosive, let's just say that, uh, so we had a sending off in Fulham, Brentford, we had a sending off in Liverpool, Bournemouth, no, uh, yes, a sending off in Wolves, Brighton as well, Brighton went a 4-1, Matoma, what a goal in the opener here, um, a brilliant run, past so many Wolves defenders to make it 1-0, Espignon then uh, got Brighton's second, Sully Marsh with one, Sully Marsh two. So at that point, 4-0 to Brighton. Wang brought Wolves back one, and then Nunes was sent off for his second yellow. The second one shoving some guys over on the touchline right in front of the ref. (laughs) It was really dumb. And honestly, it seemed like if he didn't go back in for another bite of the apple towards the Brighton players, he might have gotten away with it. But once he went back in, the ref went to his pocket and sent him off. So, we had three sending-offs in that um, window on Saturday morning. One in the full bretford game, one in the Liverpool-Bormouth game, and one in the Wolves-Brighton game. Um, continued on that Saturday. Tottenham-Man what a match this was. A lot of intensity. Uh, Ten Hag year two, we know that. Pasekagliau off the draw against Brentford. Now home debut for the way he wants to play. And Saar and Basuma were brilliant. They bossed the United midfield. Saar gets the first goal for Tottenham, then a own goal off Lissandro Martinez uh, for the second. Now, United had a handball shout. I could have seen it being given. I didn't I thought it would have been very harsh, but it's going to be interesting because again, that sets the tone. We haven't seen um, that handball get called yet right um so Tottenham get the three big points united look poor bruno complaining as always him and casemiro and mason mount did not look good as a midfield 3 right now uh rashford looks frustrated up the middle um garnacho can't get enough touches neither can rashford anthony is is not looking great and then martinez concedes a goal Wamba was getting kind of toasted. Um, and Tottenham were really good. Tottenham were brilliant. You got to give them credit. Apostacoglu got a lot of credit. Tottenham were very good on the day. Then we have Man City-Newcastle. Possible game of the weekend here. Unfortunately, with Kevin De Bruyne being out for so long, that's going to change this Man City uh, team and squad and what they're going to do. So he played both Holland and Alvarez in the team. Pep did and Foden very good run gets the ball finds Alvarez Alvarez brilliant finish that was the lone goal of the match so City went at 1-0 big win for them Um, and so far Holland was big in the first game you didn't see him do anything in the Super Cup really and in this game I don't want to say he was you know invisible because that's not fair to him but Without the De Bruyne service, without the De Bruyne heartbeat in the middle of the park for Man City, especially on the attacking side of the pitch, it's going to be much different for Erling Holland. He had 11 goals from De Bruyne assists last year in the Prem. That's a lot of assists and goals from one guy to another guy. But it's the Alvarez show for Pep Guardiola. They get the three points against Newcastle at the Etihad. Big game. That was a big game. Um, and Eddie Howe's crew... Not not enough forward from them. And you would thought that yes, they they're when he's turned how he's turned around, they've been a lot better defensively and now they've picked up attacking talent and Isak and um Callum Wilson and Harvey Barnes. They've added a lot of attacking guys. Like they used to kind of just get it done with Almiron and Saint Maximin. Now we know St. Maximin's gone, but Almiron's been really good. Um but Newcastle do not get a goal at the end He had said he won one 0 Aston Villa-Everton, Villa coming off that shellacking from Newcastle. Everton, not good enough. Not good enough again. Um, poor effort. McGinn puts Villa up 1-0. Then the penalty situation that I was talking about earlier in the show. Um, Pickford comes out. Concedes the pen. Luis puts it past him, 2-0. Leon Bailey gets a goal, and then Duran comes in for Villa off the bench and gets a goal, so 4-0, Aston Villa. West Ham-Chelsea, the second of three London derbies of the weekend. West Ham went to 3-1. Uh, Aguard, big goal for West Ham. Then Chico Emeka. this is an awesome goal for Chelsea. Ball comes back inside to him uh, off like a 1-2 kind of thing. Shifts inside, great finish. Um, buries it. Buries it. Um, then Chelsea earned a penalty because Raheem Sterling woke up and just started dancing through defenders like it was six years ago. And Enzo grabbed the ball, took the ball, didn't give it to anybody, and then his penalty was saved. Then a sensational, Um, I don't want to just say s- just an individual effort, but it was a very solo goal from Mikel Antonio once the ball got played to him. Gives West Ham the lead. Dan Aguero got sent off for two yellows, a second um, rash challenge in the middle of the park there. Certainly should be sent off. Antonio actually came up to him and was like, that's a red, it's a red. Like, chill. But then it was West Ham who earned another penalty. And Paqueta put it past Sanchez. And that was the insurance goal West Ham needed. Down a man. And really, you know, After Chelsea equalized, they were playing much better. Sterling was making a lot of good runs and advancing and attacking and leading the line. And then Enzo gets his penalty save. It should be 2-1 Chelsea. You know, you're supposed to score penalties, and then who knows what happens. But instead, he doesn't score. Antonio does score. West Ham goes down to 10 men, and then Chelsea still concede. So a wild, wild loss from Chelsea, and Pochettino has started draw loss in his first two matches as a Chelsea manager, when he had spoke about he's got to start fast and win matches. And Chelsea, in the Todd Bowley era, have signed more players, 24, than have Premier League wins, 11. So there's your stat. Crystal Palace-Arsenal on Monday. Arsenal win 1-0. Kentia draws a penalty. Johnstone came out and took him out. Odegaard converts the penalty. And then, as a should have been got given a penalty was not Tommy gets sent off and I think I think Arteta threw on every defender that he has on the team (laughs) that good play um Gabrielle came on um Zinchenko came on Kiwer came on Jorginho came on in the middle of the park (laughs) it's crazy uh, so we had nine prime games this week because Luton and Burnley was postponed. Luton's ground was not ready, as I told you last week. La Liga. Almeria, Maria, Real Madrid. Real Madrid win it 4-1. Bellingham, a brace. Vinicius scores as well. So that's a hot start for Bellingham. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's three goals in two games for Jude Bellingham uh, to start. And it was 3-1. Sorry, 3-1. Yeah, 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 not 4-1. My mistake, my mistake. So 3-1 Real Madrid. Barcelona, Cadiz, Barcelona at the Camp now, their home debut for the season. Pedri and Fernand Torres, the goal scorers, they went at 2-0. And Real Batista and Atletico drew 0-0. First week of Serie A, uh, Fresnone hosted Napoli. The champions, Napoli, went at 3-1. Politano and Ossiman with 2. Inter beat Monza 2-0, a Latorre Martinez brace. Sassolo, Atalanta. Atalanta went at 2-0. Roma, Salaritana, tie 2-2 was a bloody brace. The two goals for Jose Mourinho's Roma. Juve beat Udinese away from home, 3-0. Chiesa back in the team, which is good to see. He's an exciting player. Vlahovic from the spot. And Rabiot, a goal from the midfield for Juventus. Lecce beat Lazio 2-1. And on Monday, AC Milan went to Bologna and won it 2-0. Pulisic debut. Hockey assists on the first goal of the season. It was Giroud. And then he scored an absolute screamer for Milan's second, his first as a Rosanelli. Bundesliga Bremen and Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich winning 4 nil their first match. They, Sane, Kane, Sane, Tell. Um, first Sane goal was a Kane assist, if I'm not mistaken. Kane then got it from Davies. I think Davies then assisted Sane. And then Tell's goal was pretty sweet as well. Leverkusen, Rebel Leipzig. Leipzig lose it to Leverkusen 3-2. And Dortmund beat Klone 1-0, a Mollen goal. Ligue 1, PSG, point split 1-1. That was the scoreline as well. Mbappe, a goal in the draw. Soccer transfer rumors and just kind of soccer headlines in general. Manchester United has released Mason Greenwood. I mentioned it a little bit last week. I didn't want to go into crazy detail about it because I thought they were going to bring him back and I thought I was going to have to just crush them about their decision. This is the right decision, um, but it should have been made months ago. You know, th- to have it stretch out to this, if the Athletic doesn't leak last week that they're trying to bring him back, I think he gets brought back. And they would have had to deal with all the consequences that they did end up almost dealing with, with the leak. And it would have been... Much worse. So they're almost lucky that the leak came out so they can say, oh, shoot, we shouldn't do this. We got to get this, we got to let this guy go. They're almost lucky that that happened, that the whistleblowers and the leak happened and that athletic article came out. Because if it didn't and the backlash came out, that could have, oh boy, Manchester United would have been in trouble with a lot of their stakeholders. That's for sure. So they released Mason Greenwood. And um, hopefully we're going to deal with this for a while. Doku is going to Man City to help out on the wing. That kind of allows either Foden or Grealish, um, you know, to really maybe take up the De Bruyne spot. Probably Foden more than Grealish because they like Grealish coming in off the left side. I don't blame him. But Doku helps out the uh, the depth there for sure, for sure. Liverpool and Manchester United are still monitoring Gravenberg. He did not come in. He's fourth choice for Bayern Munich. He did not come in on the match day one win. Um, He's behind Kimmich. He's behind Goretzka. He's behind Lamer. And United and Liverpool are very interested. And it seems like this week has been the first kind of inklings that Bayern Munich could possibly let him go. So we'll see what happens there. Chelsea sign uh, Petrovic. For the backup goalkeeper role, Paqueta from West Ham. We had talked a lot about Paqueta possibly going to Man City, along with Elise going to uh, Chelsea. Elise signed a new deal. That's why that got shut down. But the Paqueta stuff got shut down because he is being investigated for uh, possibly breaching the betting code, which we've seen Ivan Tony do, and he's been suspended months. Um,. So you better hope for Paquette's sake it doesn't come out that he did anything stupid. And Forrest got Montanell the uh, penalty shootout hero, the clincher for Argentina. So he's going to come in and help their back line. That's a good move for them. Komenani agreed to terms with PSG, so it's just got to go through the clubs. Inter are leading the Benjamin Pavard race, another race that possibly United and Liverpool should be in on, but they're not apparently. Um and Sergiño Dest does have a new club. He's going to PSV Eindhoven, so a Dutch league where he played at Ajax, if I'm not mistaken, and now he goes back to the Netherlands. Saudi League update: Mitrovic is going to go, um, even after he played for Fulham. He's still going. Laporte is going to leave Man City. Tamari Gray could leave Everton if he gets a big uh, deal, and Rodrigo De Paul uh, from Atletico might be on his way to the Saudi League as well. All right, some NFL headlines. Jonathan Taylor leaves Colts camp, and he is allowed to find a trade, but it's been said that the Colts will not take anything less than an offer that starts with at least one first-round pick. And if it doesn't have a first-round pick, you better have a bunch of picks that at least equal one first-round pick, and then they can start the negotiation for the trade. Now, you would think with the running quarterback in the system, you want to kind of implement um, with Richardson – You would want a Jonathan Taylor. You would pay a Jonathan Taylor, especially because you have a rookie QB that's on that contract that you don't have to pay at a premium price right now for a few years. You can afford paying Jonathan Taylor. But instead, it seems like that's not going to happen, which is really kind of insane. So he is leaving and has left Colts camp, and he is allowed to find a trading partner with his agent. So that's pretty crazy. The Commanders have named Sam Howell the starter. Uh, Burks, the receiver for the Titans, is going to miss a few weeks with the LCL sprain. Ravens made a couple signings on defense. Jadavion Clowney and Ron Darby, the corner, come in to help out that defense with some depth. And Miles Jack, who signed with the Eagles, was looking to help out that linebacker core, has informed the Eagles that he is going to retire. So Miles Jack hangs it up. All right, golf world. Uh, FedEx Cup BMW Championship. Max Homa shot a course record 62 on Friday, which was looking pretty good. He stepped it a little back on Saturday. Um, we had those people who were yelling at him to pull a short putt and about $3, and he started screaming at guys. That was great. I'm glad Max stood up to those people because they're clowns. Like, uh, And you're going to say, AJ, you're a gambler. You do gambling content. Like, Yes, but I don't you know, go to these places and start screaming at the guys to pull three-foot putts and miss them. That's insane. What the hell are we doing here? Okay. Um, So shout out Max. But I bring up his course record because Victor Hovland just dropped the 61 on Sunday to take away the BMW championship from Scotty Scheffler and Fitzpatrick and possibly Rory and Homa. Um, So Hovland, he won the Memorial. He's now won the BMW. And again, they're not majors, but they're two very big tournaments with very good fields. And I understand people being like, well, there's only 50 players here. They're the 50 best so left out of a long season. So I understand people being like, well, it's a limited field. No, 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 no. That's the point. The point is to limit the field when you get down here, okay? Like the idea of, oh, it's 125 golfers. You got to beat all of them. Right. He beat all of them so far to get to here in general. That's how that kind of works. So you get what I'm saying? Um so he's won the memorial he's won the BMW it's a pretty damn good start pretty damn good start okay uh so now we got the top 30 going to Eastlake he saw the PGA towards Twitter there's a great video with the points guy trying to talk to Terrell Hatton and he was just like yeah I know I'm not gonna be there I'm gonna be out there's people on the course that have chances to knock me out I'm out like stop talking to me and The guy's like no actually you're not out <laughs> like, all right dude same kind of thing with Speed. Speed's like, wait, what has to happen? I don't know what's going on. Uh, so that was that was good content, to be fair. That was funny. So Speed and Hatton both in the top 30 at least late like, for the tour championship. So we'll go over that on Thursday's show. And also on Thursday's show, college football over under. So we will start the line of shows with college football and NFL previews that will get underway Thursday show, college football overrunners with week zero as well. A weekend soccer preview, of course, Um, as we got match day three in the prem already. So we'll do that and more on Thursday. College football preview next Tuesday. College football week one preview next Thursday. Along with NFL overrunners, NFL preview the following Tuesday. NFL preview the following Thursday. Everybody have a great week. I'll talk to you Thursday. Until then, peace. check out his podcast that sounds like my kind of podcast football 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 and sometimes other sports show sounds like me